Father, we thank you for this time together. <laughs> we thank you for um, your grace to us. We thank you for the, the gift that we have in meeting here at this place that's warm and dry and unaffected by government intrusion, um, that there are uh, coffee pots here and there's um, a, a room that we can hold off in together and study your word. All the luxuries that we have that we assume will be here every Sunday. We're thankful for these things. There are bodies of believers all over the world who couldn't imagine meeting in such a place at such a time as this. So Lord, we're, we're grateful for the opportunity to get together and study your word. We ask most importantly though that, that you would be here we know you are we pray that your spirit would be in and among us moving us and opening our eyes and our hearts to what your word would say to us this morning it's end of the year um, it, there's a lot of anticipation for the beginning of the next one there's a lot of regret for what was going on in the last one um, but father we thank you that in Christ, your mercies are new every day, and we pray that um, you help us to rest in that this morning. Teach us to do so beyond this morning and into the next year. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We are um, finishing up uh, the last of the tabernacle uh, statutes. We're in Exodus 31. And after this section, um, I am asking uh, a few guys to uh, fill in over the next four Sundays, and they have graciously agreed to do so. Um, Tammy and I will still be in here, but I, I'm just going to step back a little bit, and, um, and we'll have those guys teaching. But we're going to wrap up today uh, the Tabernacle Statutes, and then after that, when we begin again, Exodus 32, we're going to continue uh, into a section of narrative. Uh, it's the cash cow section, and what happens with all of that. And then after that, Exodus uh, continues and ends in the actual fulfillment of the tabernacle commands that we've been going over. Remember, Moses is on Mount Sinai, 40 days and 40 nights, and as he's there, God is giving him instruction on building of the tabernacle, building of the furniture, instituting the priesthood, and all of the statutes that are involved with that, and all of this is being given to him on the mountain, 40 days, 40 nights, in the cloud. Remember the whole cloud thing on the mountain. So, here we are on the final note of God's commands on the building of the tabernacle and the establishment of the priesthood. And he ends on a command for the Sabbath. Why end here? Let's look at it. Verse 12, chapter 31. And the Lord said to Moses, You are to speak to the people of Israel and say, Above all, you shall keep my Sabbaths, for this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations, that you may know that I, the Lord, sanctify you. You shall keep the Sabbath because it is holy for you. Everyone who profanes it shall be put to death. Whoever does any work on it that soul 
shall be cut off from among his people. Six days shall work be done, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of solemn rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day shall be put to death. Therefore, the people of Israel shall keep the Sabbath, observing the Sabbath throughout their generations as a covenant forever. It is a sign forever between me and the people of Israel that in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. Verse 18, And he gave to Moses, when he had finished speaking with him on, the Mount, on Mount Sinai, the two tablets of the testimony, tablets of stone, written with the finger of God. How does God tell Moses, uh, what does he say to, to Moses to tell Israel? How does that begin? What is he, what, how does it, what, are the, what is the first phrase he uses there? The first words on this Sabbath command. What is it? Above all. Why? See, I had to be specific because last week we did the... Yeah. I just was quiet. Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, <laughs> above all. What have we just been going through? Instruction and statutes for building a dwelling place for God. This is where God will rest in the midst of His people. Instructions on a priesthood for sacrifices for the atonement of the people before a holy God for their sin. Above all, rest on the seventh day? Does that not strike you as odd? Why in the world? Above all, there's a contrast here with everything that's gone before. Above all, the point is that the Hebrews are to build the tabernacle, but they're not to do so on the Sabbath. Isn't that holy work? Building a dwelling place for God? And yet, they're not to do it on the Sabbath. They're not to try and get it completed sooner. And in doing so, uh, set aside what Matthew Henry calls the ham and hedge of the whole law, the Sabbath. Everything goes back today. Everything goes back to that celebration. Um, this, and the Lord said, is part of seven series of sections of and the Lord said. We'll see it all the way through the end of Exodus. How does he describe the Sabbath? Incidentally, is this the first time we see the Sabbath? Where did we talk about this before? Do you remember? There was a series of ten things we talked about. What? what? Exodus 20, the Ten Commandments. Thank you. Which one was that? Do you remember? If you're going to number them. What were they? Shall have no other gods before me. Make for yourself no carved image of any likeness. Heaven above, earth beneath, water under the earth. Number four is, well, and then he says, what's the third one? Carved image, don't take the Lord's name in vain. Then, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. We went through this whole discussion on why that was important. Do you remember, does, does anybody remember the discussion on the Sabbath? It's been a while. Yeah. It's a long time ago. You were here. Um, 
What does he say? He adds some things to that instruction here. What, what are some things that he describes in this passage about the Sabbath? What is it? It's a language he uses. Two or three things in here. He said that the purpose is to sanctify you. To sanctify. Verse 13. Other translations would say to make holy, which is what sanctifying is. Why would that be sanctifying? Other nations around work forever and there's never a rest, especially if you're a slave. Um, so that makes you holy somehow. Uh, I remember a little bit of the discussion now. So it's trusting the Lord and saying, I'm not going to do any work for myself today. I'm gonna, today is your day, Lord. And so they had to deal with fields and crops and stuff and they had to trust that tomorrow everything wasn't going to be destroyed or that they could still go and... That they'll still be able to make a livelihood, even though they set aside this day not to work. If I'm not tending to it, it's not getting tended to. I depend on God to supply on the day that I'm not tending to it. Okay, good. Yes, Chris. It's, it kind of, I don't know if I'm reading this, this or not, but it sounds like it's another way that he sets apart his people. Ah. Uh, above all, you shall keep my Sabbath, for this is a sign. A sign. What is that? Let's stop there for a second. What is a sign? Because you're anticipating. And I want you to anticipate too much. What's a sign? Sign, sign everywhere, sign. What's a sign? It's a visual mark indicating something up ahead. Or indicating a... In scripture, yes. Stop <laughs> means stop. Train tracks ahead, yes. But in scripture, what do we saw as a sign? What, what, what is it? Like a burning bush. A burning bush is a sign? Okay, of what? A fleece is a sign of what? It's a representation of of God. Good. <laughs> representation of God. Theophany. What what is a if if this is a sign? A Sabbath rest is a sign of something else. It's not the Sabbath for the sake of the Sabbath. It's a picture of something else. Yes. What's it a sign? What does he say? He points back to creation here. Okay, that's you and me. between you and me. It's a sign of the covenant. Why would the Sabbath be a sign of the covenant? Which covenant? Abrahamic covenant? The covenant that he's cutting with him on Sinai now, with his people. What's the language that's used? For this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations. Who's me and you? Israel. Who's me? Well, God. God. You would be Israel throughout your generations. He's not just talking to Moses here. He's talking about the entire nation. Moses is representing the nation. It's a sign of the covenant. Why is, that a, why is a Sabbath a sign? It, it seems like it's a reminder that the covenant is ultimately kept by God because it says that you may know that I, the Lord, sanctify you. It's ah, a reminder good. that he's the one who actually keeps the covenant. Again, he's resting. We're resting on the seventh day, not doing work. I am the God who keeps covenant. I will be faithful to you to provide for you. I give you rest. Yes. Um, does this in any way tie back into um, original sin where God says you will now work the land, you will now toil, but he doesn't really say 
he just says you'll work and if he doesn't say anything then we'll work every single day and mm. just continue to toil and that was some of our discussion on the fourth commandment too <clears throat> is exactly that issue the sabbath day is a break god's covenantal break from the toil of the curse it's a taste of something to come. A sign is a physical representation of a spiritual reality in Scripture. And we have this break from work, from toil. You work by the sweat of your brow. You have to yield from the ground. You've got to fight thorns and thistles. But for my people, here's a taste of what's coming. they still got to work, but only six days. I'm going to give you rest on this day and it's holy and it sanctifies you because it creates a desire a need a dependence upon God I need this rest he's giving it to me but if I take a rest I'm not gonna be working in my field so I need to I need to trust him what he's going do you, yeah go ahead you'll probably are no I won't it's okay we do it all the time It doesn't. I'm kidding. We'll get there in just a second. You're very, you're very good. You're anticipating. That's very good. Um, yes? Uh, well, a story and then a question. Okay. I actually had to uh, teach the Sabbath on a mission trip in South Africa, uh, and I had to teach uh, first graders. And I'm, I'm glad that I didn't teach this, uh, you know, you, you'll, you'll die if you work on the Sabbath. I could just, like, as you were reading that, I was like, I wanted to have gone over with first and second grade people die. Anyway, uh, why do you think, why do you think it's so, the punishment's so harsh if, like, well, are, is the punishment this harsh on other things as well? Uh, some things. Other disobedience? Some, some things. This one is, is kind of significant though. It's a sign of the covenant, right? So bre breaking this sign of the covenant is equated with breach of the covenant itself. Uh, he's, he describes what goes on, the penalty here, in a couple of different ways. One is um, that they'll be cut off from their people, and the other that they'll be put to death. And the idea here, some, some of the smart folks say, they don't take them out and stone them for breaching the Sabbath, they just put them out of the camp, which is tantamount to death, and you're, you're in the middle of the wilderness. So, um, so there's that. But, but um, anyway, so when they, when they keep the Sabbath, what are they doing? They're demonstrating something. They're demonstrating that Yahweh is their God, and that He has set them apart to holiness. If they work on the Sabbath, in our context in this passage, if they work on the Sabbath to build a tabernacle which is a good, right, holy thing to do. But if they do that on the, on the, uh, on the tabernacle, building the tabernacle on the Sabbath, they would be setting aside one sign of holiness, God's dwelling in the midst of them, at the expense of a covenant sign of the Sabbath. She's such a sweetheart. What a woman. She's amazing. Okay. Uh, setting aside one sign of the covenant for something that God has commanded, that He has told them to do as part of their relationship with Him, and yet don't do it here. Don't do it 
and violation. Now, what implication does that have for us? How about this? In the midst of being busy with church, we should be resting. How about just the practical application of that? We get so wrapped up in things that we forget that He's given us rest. And I think a lot of times we get wrapped up in this, 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 this thing, and not just church, but other things that are good and providing and family stuff and whatever, that we forget to rest. Um, uh, if you don't do something, it doesn't mean that it won't necessarily get done. We're not all that in church life. We're not the most important thing in our specific place in church life. Now, last week we talked about giftings for craftsmanship. Remember that? We talked about how God has gifted us to build up the body in love. And those are things that He has given us by His Spirit to do. But, in the doing of your gifting and your crafting, don't forget to rest in Christ in that. If I don't do it, somebody's not going to... This tightness, this legalistic pressure that comes in and it becomes a pagan thing, it's all on me. And you can and you don't do it with wisdom from the heart, like we talked about last week. To remember what? To remember all that he's done for them to this point and to remember that he's been faithful and that to remember that he has provided for them. The, yes. It's a it's a dis- display again of their of their set apartness to him and thankfulness for being set apart to him. They're about to begin this weighty task of building the tabernacle. Um, but he's calling them not to forget the even weightier task, which is to display their covenant relationship with God through the sign of the Sabbath. Yeah. Doesn't want to rest. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Um, one, one thing that um, we see definitely in our culture is people uh, will worship work. Mm-hmm. So if you work every day, obviously workaholics, we're not built to work every day. So I, I was thinking about that. It's like, okay, what's... Why do we have a rest? I wonder if it's a reminder to not worship work. There's that. There's also a reminder that we're finite creatures. And we'll talk about this in a second. But he talks about the Sabbath being a reminder of the seven day, uh, six days he created and then was refreshed on the seventh day. I mean, refreshed? We're talking about God. Can he be refreshed? Well, where, where does that come from? He's inexhaustible. Why would he use the language uh, literally and God took a breath on the seventh day? I and mean, that's, what, that's what the language says. Why would God need to take a breath? Yeah. Um, I thought that he was like reflecting over all that he had made that precepts over the last six days. It wasn't a physical rest. It was a reflection over what he had done. Is that, is that your, and I think you're right. But there's a, something else going on here too. We're to reflect God's nature. He sets the tone. He sets he's the... the the pace car, I guess we're using NASCAR terms, um, of, of how we should be. And oftentimes, he will, whew, 
Oftentimes, he will uh, uh, use language that is accessible to us. He will condescend to us with his language. Take a breath. He says that so that we will take a breath, that we'll rest, because he's setting that agenda. Um, i got to keep moving here. The Pharisees forgot the weightier things. Remember this in, in the New Testament. They tithed mint, dill, and cumin, which is odd. I mean, because I never combine dill and cumin. That would be an odd Mexican food recipe, I think. I understand the cumin. Anyway, but they forgot the weightier things of the law. Jesus said the weightier things of the law would be justice and mercy and faithfulness. What are justice, mercy, and faithfulness? What are they? What are they, Clint? What did you say? Justice, mercy, and faithfulness. They are fruits of the Spirit. They are, well, no. (laughs) Justice, mercy, and faithfulness. Attributes of God, thank you. I was sort of right. Um, they're attributes of God. So they are tithing based on these little bitty leaves that they get of, of spices, and yet they forget to reflect who God is. If they're in, in getting wrapped up in, in the many times, the self-imposed law, uh, they forget the testimony of who God is. We do that. Do we focus on all the minutia of being good little boys and girls that we forget to reflect who God is? What's the sign of the new covenant? What's the sign of the new covenant? Don't say wine. What is the sign of the new covenant? Baptism. Okay, well, there's that physical sign of the, the laws written on our hearts. Laws written on our hearts. By whom? The Holy Spirit. Isn't the Holy Spirit the seal of the promise of our hope that He's coming again and all things will be ours because we're joiners with Him? It's the sign of the new covenant is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. 1 John 2. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. If we're not showing, displaying the fruit of, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, and yet we're real good at writing our 10% check every week, we're missing it. We're forgetting the way to your things. We're not displaying the sign of the covenant um, and, and the testimony of the nature of God. Look at the gravity of God's economy, uh, verses 14 and 15. We know the value of something by the price placed upon it. God's economy is different than ours. What is, we've already talked about what's the, what's the cost of breaching this sign of the covenant? What is it? Death. Death or cut off from the people. It's a pretty significant cost. The, la- the language here, he profanes my Sabbath. In Hebrew, it's the opposite of to make holy. Um, kadash is, is the word used to make holy, to take something common and set it apart for sacred use. But what is translated as profane here is the word halal, which is very interesting if you think of Arabic halal. But anyway, uh, that means taking something that's holy and using it for everyday, ordinary, and common tasks. Specifically, it's taking something God makes holy and using it for my own purposes. 
And here that applies even when our purposes may seem to fulfill what he's commanded to do in other contexts. It, it seems like then that he's calling us to rest, mm-hmm. but it doesn't even stop at like just physical rest, like I just need a break from, from all this work. <coughs> it's, it's a rest that's a, that's a remembrance, and that if we're not doing... If we're not resting in him that way, then we're doing it wrong. Resting on the golf course? Just because on it's Sunday. a selfish desire yeah. on our part to get a break from everything. Right. That's a wrong way to think about a, a rest. That's not a Sabbath rest. That's a selfish right. rest. Right. It's not reflective. Reflective rest. That's a good term, I think. If you're, if you're saying, what's a good Sabbath rest? It's reflective rest. What's he done? Not resting in sports center, resting on golf course. Right. Resting in right. Not that those things are necessarily bad, but that to to truly partake in a Sabbath rest, it's it's resting in who He is and what He's done. What else is given here regarding the uh, importance of the Sabbath? Look at verses sixteen and seventeen. It's a covenant forever. It's forever. It's an eternal covenant. This rest, this command to reflective rest, is an eternal covenant. The sign of the eternal covenant relationship between God and His people. Uh, the, the Sabbath also, secondly, points to God's creative work at the beginning of time. When Israel celebrates the Sabbath, they are honoring and praising God's work at creation. <clears throat> Curiously, John Curid, in his uh, commentary on Exodus, um, notes that the word Sabbath in this passage appears either in noun or verb form seven times, which is kind of a symmetry thing, language thing. I thought it was cool. Take with that what you will. All right. Was refreshed. God's inexhaustible. How does that work? Again, uh, he took a breath, and we've talked about that. God doesn't need rest. We do. This language is for our benefit to show us uh, the gift he has given us in setting aside a day of rest. All right. Verse 18. How does this conclude? This time on the mountain, these 40 days and 40 nights. How does this conclude? What does he do? He gives Moses the law. He gives Moses the law on what? Two tablets of stone. And how is it described? Written by the finger of God. It's very important. Um, Handwritten notes are usually uh, deemed to be more significant than a text message. Why? Takes more effort. More personal. It's tangible. Not just bits and bites floating through the air. It takes time. Uh, there's a whole study on telling characteristics of somebody by their handwriting. Right? You can tell by the swoop of the O that they're, you know, pain in the butt or something. I don't know. You have, you have this whole science on handwriting, because it reveals something about the person, right? Written by the finger of God. Um, God gives his people a written testimony of who he is. A written testimony of who he is. He's not like me, he's not late. Um, 
Even his handwriting displays something about who he is, his character, his nature. And these ultimately, we'll see that they're broken and they're having to be done again, but ultimately they're going to be placed in the Ark of the Covenant. The Ten Commandments are called, Ten Words, the Ten Testimonies of God. If the fact that God wrote the testimonies with His finger tells us quite a bit about Him, how much more His sending of Christ? If we see in the Old Covenant this massive picture of God on the mountain revealing His character, His nature, how much more sending His Son? In the beginning was the Word. We, that which we have seen, which we have heard, which we have touched, we testify to you. We bear witness to you of Him. Why does He end on the Sabbath? Christ is our Sabbath rest. Not just a breather from some hard work, but our breath from death to life. Further, Christ came not to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. How, why would he abolish something that reveals his nature? But he came to fulfill it. He, being very God of very God, like the creed says that we recite at the end of every service, is certainly a greater witness to the nature of God. He is a witness to God's faithfulness in keeping His law on our behalf. He is a witness, a testimony to God's justice and mercy by bearing the judgment for our law-breaking on the cross. That's Christ, a witness, a testimony to the nature of God. 2 Corinthians 3. Go there real quickly. I know I'm short on time. Paul says something very interesting. He talks about the Corinthians, and I'll just kind of summarize. Paul talks about the Corinthians being letters written not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of the human heart. Written by whom? I can't write on my own heart. Written by the finger of God. What's the picture there? He's pulling from the Exodus account of God writing uh, His commandments with His finger, and also Jeremiah 31, 31, where He says, I will write their law on my hearts. It's used by the author of Hebrews in Hebrews 8 about the picture of the new covenant, God's writing His law on the heart to be uh, a testimony of Himself through His people. God gives the Israel His ten words, His ten testimonies, these tablets were witnesses to the character of God. They called His people to imitate Him, reflect Him, and testify of Him through their lives. They're, look, there's a holy people. This law makes you wise among all the peoples, He would say. But the old covenant could only condemn. They can't do it. You can't do it. I can't do it. It could not, the law could not change and transform the heart. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 3, the external letter of the law kills, but the internal transformation of the Spirit is what makes a lot. To do what? Because of the work of Christ, we are sealed with His Spirit so that we are witnesses to His nature. We are His witnesses in Christ. We become 
the testimony of God to the world, of His nature, of His character, because of the indwelling of the Spirit working through us, because of the Word transforming our minds and how we view things and how we talk, we become witnesses to the nature of God. And we are to rest in that. We are to rest in Him. That's not like the culture to rest and depend on something that you can't see. Um, to give witness to Him who is is more than following some code or rules. It's loving Him and loving what He loves. It's a slow process of transformation. But the promise is it's going to happen. That's the hope that we have, sealed by the Spirit, looking forward to His return. It's going to happen. Are we resting and moving in that? Yes? I, I don't know if this is off base, but just it, this reminded me when it talked about the seventh day, um, God being refreshed, and, and that is something that He sets aside the Sabbath for us to be refreshed. It reminded me of um, in Philemon, where Paul says to Philemon that he refreshed him. Mm. Um, and, and just that idea of refreshing one another. Refreshing one another. Very good. Yeah, we should talk more. Of Sabbath rest, in that we we spur each other to to reflect on, to remember. And he uses that God language. Paul uses that language of refreshing. I would seek some refreshment. Refresh my heart, also, brother. Right. He uses that language in Philemon. He uses it elsewhere in uh, in uh, many contexts. Right. Right. But that, but that he got refreshment and encouragement, and, and that that was a form of, of of Sabbath rest in some way of of, of reflecting the nature of God in the body. Right. Refreshing a brother is a sign of the covenant. Now that, that's that's good. We we should have talked about that before. I could have thought that. It's too late. It's too late. Now you're stuck with just those few <laughs> words. Do with it what you will. Um, it's too late. Oh. Oh, well, there's that too. Um, any other comments, questions? It's just barely 10-10. Yeah? Uh, what I'd like to know is when you do like what you've done mm -hmm. and they bring it up about, I, I mentioned this earlier about, well, that was back in the Old Testament. Why mm -hmm. do you follow it now? Mm -hmm. And most people, quite a few people actually work on Sunday. They don't see anything wrong with it, things like that. Mm -hmm. How would you address that? I mean, what, what do we do about Sunday? I think you follow your conscience on that issue. Um, if, we're taking, if we're talking in New Testament terms, Christ is our Sabbath rest. It's no longer Saturday, because in the Old Testament, Saturday was the day of rest. Sunday, technically, is not the Sabbath. It's Resurrection Day. It's a picture of our rest in Jesus. And that's all the time while we work. That's the picture in the New Testament. As we're working, we're resting in Him. I think many times we get caught up in, you know, blue laws and sky laws, whatever it was, the, the, the Sunday no businesses can be open on. Was it blue laws? Um, that, again, in, in my view, 
as I read the New Testament, that's tithing meant cumin and dill and forgetting the weightier things. Um, so I think some people have a, an understanding of that, and that's fine if that's their conscience. But I don't think that we want to point fingers at other people who may have to work on Sunday and say, oh, you're not obeying the Sabbath, because technically none of us are. We're here on Sunday. So we're all lawbreakers, if, if that's the standard. But in Christ, we rest every day while we work and do our temple work and our giftings that, that way. Does that make sense? Okay. That's my approach to it. If you disagree, I'd love to talk with you about it. Um, any, any other comments? Speak back what you said. Sure. That Mark 2 talks about, I think it was when the Pharisees accosted him, and he said, man... Accosted is a good word. The Sabbath wasn't made... Uh, the Sabbath was made for man, and, and he is Lord of the Sabbath. Mm-hmm. You know? And also in Romans 10, talking about Christ is the end of the law, mm-hmm. um, where we see all these things, but... I thought it was interesting that he ended, like you said, he ended this section with the Sabbath, mm-hmm. and that's kind of a type and shadow of Christ. Sure, it is. Pointing to him. He's yeah. the Sabbath, and it's in, all in him. In your building of the temple, remember who builds the temple. Mm-hmm. That it's his covenant, his purpose, his work, and it all revolves. The Christ being the end of the law doesn't mean that there's, the law's abolished. He says right. that himself. It's just that he's the fulfillment of it, he's the purpose behind it. Any other, any other questions, comments? We, they don't start for another 10 minutes, so it's okay. I mean, if you want to get the, the good back row seats, we'll probably have to leave them out. So. All right, should we pray? We probably should pray. That's probably a good thing to do, I would think. Father, these are easy words to talk about but it's difficult to do, to rest in you, to, to rest in the work of Christ. We want to pick up um, our, our, uh, our shovel and start building our empires, our little niches where we can be made much of in different areas, whether it's in church work or at a job or sports or whatever. We, we, we want to be, um, well, as Calvin said, we're idol factories, and we, we like to worship things other than you, but you have called us and gifted us with rest, not based upon our works, not based upon our efforts, but based upon the finished, completed work of Jesus. We don't have to be the best at everything. We have to rest in Him and then work while He's working in us. That's foreign to us. But you've called us to be set apart and different. And Lord, I, I know that this is not a call toward laziness. Far from it. But in our working, would you give us rest? Would you open our eyes for our, to our need to take a breath, to breathe in Christ, and then to reflect our set-apartness to a world who is working themselves to death. 
As we go into the service today, Lord, let us be very thankful for what we have in you. Let us be very thankful for Christ, our Sabbath rest. And not look around thinking about all the things that we need to do the building or little projects that we've got going on in the church or uh, studies we want to start or all those things that are good things but, but can be their own little idols. But let us rest in you. Your goodness, your mercy, your justice, your faithfulness to us in Christ. We thank you for these things in his name. Amen.